0: And your family's a culture too. Your neighborhood's a culture. Your school is a culture. You know, every entity around you is has got a culture. The question is, is going to be an enhancement to customer service and employee enjoyment uh, or neighborhood enjoyment or family enjoyment, or is it going to get in the way?
1: Hi, we are Colleen. And Colleen. And we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week, we will share real-life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together, we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. I am especially excited to introduce our guest today because... He instilled in me from the very beginning of my life the importance of being nice to everybody. My dad, Danny O'Malley, joins me today, right here in my kitchen, and I can't wait for him to share all of these little nuggets of wisdom with you guys today. My dad delivers customer service training and does keynote speaking in the Indianapolis area, but he definitely didn't start there. He, um, there's been, there's been a long journey to get where he is. Uh, it's the lessons, though, that he's taught me throughout my life that make me 100% sure that no matter where you are or what you do or if, you're, if you own a business or if you do retail or whatever, you will have so much to gain from hearing what he has to say and what he's learned. So welcome, Dad.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Colleen. Oh, you're so
1: welcome. <laughs> All right. So I want you to tell our listeners how you got so passionate about customer service.
0: Well, my father... Uh, the late Joe O'Malley, who, who started a chain of grocery stores here in 1966. I called Joe O'Mallia Food Markets so that was well known for its service. Uh, but as early as the age of nine, he had me working in grocery stores that he was a part owner of. Um, and he instilled the customer service uh, ethic in me back then. But even before then, as he brought up his four kids, he was very, very uh, passionate about uh, treating everybody well, um, and things like uh, teamwork, and it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as the job gets done, and working hard in school and being honest, and, and, and of course, my mom was involved in all of that too, but but it started to come to life quite a bit when he when he started me working in, in a grocery store at the age of nine.
1: Wow. Those are like the kind of things that I feel like I try to talk to my kids about. And that's not in business. I remember the first time. So when I was in high school, you would be going to focus group meetings for the stores. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't grasp what that was. And I remember the first time in a, a business type class that I took where there was an entire section about focus groups and the importance of focus groups. And then now that I kind of know a lot more about what you do and what you speak about, that kind of came into sharper focus for me, but you talk a lot, a lot about culture. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that.
0: Well, uh, culture is a, a term that's just come into the business lexicon in over the last fifteen or twenty years. My dad was great at building a culture, uh, even before Omalias. He was a part owner of a a chain that that, that after he left. Actually, got a lot bigger uh, and merged with another local chain, and he ran a store for them uh, um, at Seventy First and Keystone here in Indianapolis, uh, which was a very upscale area. And uh, I listened to. Uh, by that time, I was about fifteen or sixteen, and I was carrying out second groceries and stocking groceries, and and trying to flirt with cashiers too. By the way. And um, I listened to the uh, employees and the customers and even the vendors, the Coke and Pepsi guys. When my dad and his partner took this store over, a year prior to this, it was doing $6,000 a week in business. A year later, it was doing $50,000. And people would say, why is this store doing 800% more than it did a year ago? And everybody, including the Coke and Pepsi guy, would point to my dad and say, because of the way he treats people which solidified for me everything he'd been trying to teach me all those years prior.
1: Wow. So at that young age, were you able to differentiate like, wow, the way my dad does things or it's all you knew. So you didn't really know until later?
0: Well, I figured my dad was treating people differently than other people by the way all the employees and customers and vendors were talking, although I'd never really known much different. Right. Um, But but uh, interesting sidebar to that. And it gets into the culture thing. Several years later, my dad decided to branch out and start his own company, O'Malley Food Markets. And uh, I love to tell the story about Danny Barton, Jr. Danny Barton, Jr. was my dad's produce manager at this store that he was a partner in. And Danny Barton, Jr. lived about 20 minutes south of the store. My dad's new store was going to be 20 minutes farther away from Danny Barton Jr.'s house. Danny Barton Jr. came to my dad and said, Joe, I'm really not working for the other owner. I'm working for you. Can I come to the new store with you? And my dad said, Danny, you're going to have to drive, spend an extra 40 or 45 minutes in the car every day if you do that. And he goes, I don't care. I want to work for you. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the only one working in that store that wanted to go up to my dad's new store. And so he started with a running start on his culture at Omalius.
1: Wow. Okay, so my dad has a Google slide presentation that he presents to different businesses who hire him to talk to their employees about customer service and culture within a company. And so I pulled a bunch of my favorite slides, but I wanted to start with this quote by Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and thought you might elaborate.
0: I'll elaborate a little bit. Uh, the culture is everything. You can't have good service without good culture. And I'll I'll name some companies that have a great culture uh, because they have you know they have worked on their culture uh, over the years.
1: I know too. You're going to say. Go ahead. Nordstrom. Yeah. Chick Fil A.
0: Nordstrom, Chick Fil A, Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, in the restaurant business, I think uh, for a big chain, um, Outback does a very good job. Uh, and, and all of those places started small, got bigger, but they respected their culture and they kept emphasizing what what, what it was making them different. For instance, um, Chick-fil-A, uh, the the uh, second generation uh, owner of Chick-fil-A says our culture's our culture our, our light shines brightest when it isn't on, referring to the fact that they close Sunday. Which gives them a, a, a higher level of employees uh-huh. to choose from, but makes them different from everybody else. That wouldn't work for McDonald's or White Castle, but it works for Chick Fil A and sets them apart. Yeah. And so back in the back in the day at the at the store at 71st and Keystone, uh, we were carrying out groceries and we were really friendly with the customers, and that that was a That was a service that had gone away in the grocery business, but my dad had stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And so at O'Malley's, uh, not only did he add nice little touches like carpet on the floor and a free cup of coffee to make you feel more at home for the customers.
1: Oh, not to mention a place where you can drop your children off. And I know that
0: came later
1: today, that probably wouldn't fly. That wouldn't
0: fly, but it was a great idea when my dad had it in the early eighties. We had a we had a babysitting room in the store where mom could drop the little ones off and shop and pick them up on the way out it
1: was awesome and
0: that was it was called joe's little circus and and then it was called denny's cartoon clubhouse cuz denny was our leprechaun mascot <laughs> but at any rate uh, going back to the the uh, the whole culture thing and and starting starting off with that gr- that core group of employees that left the store and came with my dad he had a running start but he also knew as he got bigger, if he was going to open another store, he was going to have to take some of the employees out of the existing store, replace them with new people. Well, what do you do with the new people? Well, you, you get them on board. First of all, you're very careful about who you hire. Mm-hmm. You hire people who you think will fit into your culture. Then you train them in customer service and how to run a register or how to cut meat or whatever it is, you know is they're mm-hmm. going to do. And you keep emphasizing customer service and you keep coming up with things that will make them enjoy, you know, working for you. As we got a little bigger, there was a company, we, we we were closed on several major holidays and we had a big 4th of July picnic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the vendors got involved because they loved helping us out. So they, they would donate meats and so on and so forth for the picnic. And we would have a great time with the company picnic. It was something everybody looked forward to, and that spun into a company softball tournament. And so that culture thing kept growing as we grew. And everybody knew all about the picnic, and everybody knew all about the softball tournament and things like that.
1: Right. My first job was at O'Malias. So I remember my training, and I remember how excited I was the first day I got to be on the register alone. And then when I would come home from college, I couldn't necessarily just take away a cashier's job, but there was always something for me to do. And looking back, I can see, you know, those, the people who worked at O'Malley's were, were really nice people. So I love, I really love this picture and I'll post it in our show notes, but <laughs> somebody with ketchup doodled we waited for 30 minutes no service and And
0: underlined it with mustard
1: and underlined it with mustard yeah no they got real creative um cb and i talk all the time we're just a two-person shop and and i feel like we have a really strong culture and we've worked really hard to build it and it's a behind the scenes culture but we we do and i feel like because we care so much about how we treat our customers even though we don't get to interact with them very often I'm, I'm more, I'm more likely going to recognize good or bad service where I go.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) And so
1: this kind of made me laugh, but, and, and maybe it was a bad day or whatever, but you look around and hopefully it made this little restaurant better, but what do you have to say about this?
0: Well, do they have a bad culture and the people that work there just don't care? Did they not? hire enough people? Did they not train them well? Did they cut back on help to Mm -hmm. save money? But what does that cost you? It costs you that customer, Mm -hmm. right? Could be all those things, could be one or two of those things, but that's, that. if they didn't have enough help that day, that's not necessarily the fault of the employees. Mm -hmm. Um, If people call in sick and they're not really sick because they just don't feel like coming to work, now they're shorthanded. That's, that's an indication that you have a place that's not so much fun to work. Right. right? So, so if you have a good culture, uh, one of, one of my slides is of a, of a, uh, restaurant in Atlanta, uh, where, where I visited with some baseball buddies when we were going to baseball in Atlanta, it's called the okay cafe. And they have, uh, it's, and it, we just had a wonderful experience there on, uh, before we went to the ball game. It was recommended by a local guy that I went to high school with, go to the OK Cafe, you know, personal reference. And we got there and they had uh, caricatures of all the employees in that restaurant that had been there 15 years and more on the wall. And there were like 30 of them. Wow. You go, these people like working here. And then it shows up at the table.
1: That is so cool. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of Nordstrom, you have a quote in your slides by Brent Harris about you can't teach culture. You have to live it. You have to experience it. You have to share it. You have to show it. I feel like that calls to not just in a business, but in life and, and how you show up for other people.
0: And and that that goes to building the culture and, and customer service, too. One of the things that my dad taught me early on, and every new employee knew it, Uh, And and I would talk about this when we had new employee orientation. I would say things like this. When you are in the store and you're in the grocery department and you're unloading a truck, um, if they call old grocery help to the front, the customer is there now. And not only does the customer need your help, the other people that are working the front need your help. So get off the truck and go up there and do that. Um, I also talk about, you know, when I come in the store, if they're backed up at the front end, I'm going to start sacking groceries. Joe O'Malley would start sacking groceries. We'd carry out groceries just like everybody else. We'd pick up trash in the parking lot just like everybody else. In other words, don't ask somebody to do it that you, you wouldn't do something that you wouldn't do. And once people understood that we were willing to do that kind of thing, that helps the culture. Absolutely. And that helps the teamwork. And that's what that's what the Nordstrom exec means by that. You can't just say do it. You got to you got to walk the walk. You got to talk the talk.
1: Right. And in, in raising kids, I feel like we talk about that a lot. Like I can't expect them to know how to change a roll of toilet paper if I don't teach them and do it myself and have it readily on hand. Like I have to do my part behind the scenes for them to see. Like oh, this is how things function better is if these things are in place. And
0: one of the the mistakes business makes, uh, first of all, do they take the time to hire the right people? Secondly, do they take the time to train the people? Sometimes it's hard to find enough good help. And so sometimes people are rushed, you know, into their position too quickly without enough training. Right. That doesn't pay off. I have a slide about a CFO and a CEO that are talking and the CFO says, what if we, train them and they leave.
1: We spend all this money and yeah. train them. To and the train
0: CEO them. says, what if we don't train them and they stay? Right. That's worse. <laughs>
1: right. That is worse. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. want, I mean, it's toxic. It's, um. But why- that's
0: tempting. Let's get them behind that cash register today. Right. Instead of taking them through and showing them all the stuff, including the customer service stuff.
1: So essentially it's, you know, you do, you have to do the, the hard work.
0: It, exactly and 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 building a culture and maintaining a culture is hard work
1: mm-hmm.
0: it you have to purposely add things as you grow like a new employee orientation or a focus group or mm-hmm. or any other number of things and you have to keep improving the product you mentioned the the, the the babysitting room right that was an improvement of our product once we got to the point where we could do that right uh, and and once once we had We were building stores that were a little larger than the original store. And the time was right, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the funny stories that happened was I got a store from the store manager of the first store that we put the uh, Denny's Cartoon Clubhouse in. And he said, well, it finally happened. Uh, Some lady has left her kid here too long. And it turned out she had gone to play tennis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh boy. That was
0: one of the downsides.
1: Sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah, I, I never obviously got to drop a kid off there, but I worked in the babysitting room, the clubhouse. That was
0: a, was a kind of a prized job. A it lot was. of people like working in the babysitting. Right, because I got to color and doodle with, yeah. with the children. <laughs> Play with the kids. That was perfect for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so another slide that I stumbled upon that I feel like our listeners are going to love is we talk about think. So before you say anything, you ask yourself, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And in your business world, you talk about a four-way test of the things that we think, Ah. say, or do.
0: Well, I'm a member of the Indianapolis Rotary Club. And and if you know Rotary, you know, I think there's 20,000 Rotary Clubs in the world. Every Rotary Club says the four-way test at the end of every meeting.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah.
0: First, is it the truth? Second, is it fair to all concerned? Third, will it build goodwill and bread of friendships? fourth will be beneficial to all concerned. All concerned are customers, employees, vendors, everybody.
1: Right. And you empower other people. I feel like when you go talk to other businesses and you talk to, I mean, optometrists, you talk to the Indianapolis Indians employee, you talk to all different kinds of people, but no matter who you talk to, these four things are essential, but so, so is just starting, starting from the top with culture. I mean, the most important thing.
0: And the the, the number one line there first is the truth. One of the, you know, things in business these days is CYA. Everybody's always CYAing; They're always covering their, you know what, Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the truth. And, uh, if the owner, the president, the store manager, whoever is in charge, uh, doesn't tell the truth, then nobody else is going to tell the truth. And if the, but if that person does tell the truth all the time, that enhances that culture.
1: Right. I mean, just think of like treating your life like it's a culture. So if your
0: family's a culture. Absolutely. You, you've mentioned your family several times, and your family's a culture too. Your neighborhood's a culture. Your school is a culture. You know, every entity around you is has got a culture. The question is, is gonna be an enhancement to customer service and employee enjoyment uh, or neighborhood enjoyment or family enjoyment, or is it going to get in the way?
1: Right. I mean, even friendships are an exchange of sorts where if there's a good culture, you're you're more likely to, to tell the truth and you're more likely to do what's right and what's fair and, and you know.
0: Which kind of reminds me, this is a little off the subject, but not really. That's so,
1: so weird that you'd go, I wonder where I get it from.
0: <laughs> well, and and one of the things that my dad, uh, and he, he never talked about this. I just watched it. He had a lot of great long-term relationships. And I saw the value in those things, both for my dad and the other folks. And So I'm blessed to have a lot of great long-term relationships. People I went to grade school with, high school with, college with am in the church with and so on and so forth that have enhanced my life. And not only that have, have helped me through some rough spots in my life.
1: I, something I've always admired about you.
0: Well, you're pretty good at it too. (laughs) I,
1: I sure try, but there's, there's not, I can't remember a time in my life when my dad wasn't surrounded by a group of friends and all these special things. It's like these traditions with these different groups of friends and, these trips and these and I can't countless hundreds and hundreds of stories. That you really need to write us a book so we can, you know, I'm
0: working on it.
1: Write us a book of all the stories. Uh, okay, so you you mentioned at the very beginning of our chat about teamwork, and I love this quote that you have in here by John Wooden. I'm not looking for great players. I'm looking for players that make the team great. And I want to mention so. Um, my husband and I and CB and her husband, we are all huge fans of Ted Lasso. We did an entire episode dedicated to Ted Lasso once we finished it. And there is an episode where Coach Ted Lasso, you haven't seen it yet, Dad. He has, or maybe you have actually.
0: Haven't seen it yet. No. This, I've uh, only seen the first few episodes. No,
1: I know. I think it might have been in the third. Um, the the star player, he really needs to connect with him. And so what what kind of gets him going? And he finds out it's positive reinforcement. And so he has this beautiful way of handling this kind of star who who knows he's the star and doesn't really care. And he says, Jamie, I worry that sometimes you're so certain that you're one in a million that you forget that you're really only one of nine out there. And although it took this kid some time to really see that, it did click for him. And it made him it made him stop and it made think him about more
0: that of a team player.
1: For a moment. I mean, and then it, you know, you have to watch. But so I'm not looking for great players. I'm looking for players that make the team great people who enhance. Everybody's a part of the team in, in the grocery business. It's everybody from the carryout boys to the cashiers, to the manager, to who cuts the meat, who's stocking the shelves. Yeah. I mean, it's dominant. And it's
0: also the, it's the people at the headquarters. Absolutely. Right? Truck drivers and, and everybody is part of a team. And, My dad was very big on team. I I, I remember there was a guy that worked at O'Malley's, and he was two years ahead of me in school, and uh, and he was two years ahead of me in college. And so, being at Xavier University in Cincinnati, he took us a job during the school year at at a Kroger store, which is Cincinnati's Kroger's headquarters. And uh, he came by the dorm one night and said, "You know, something happened tonight that really lit." a bulb in my head about the difference between your dad and not just Kroger, but most grocery chains. He goes, I was uh, working in the produce department and I was going to the back room to check out, uh, punch out, and I saw a loaf of bread on the floor and I picked it up and I put it on the shelf and I went back and I saw the store manager waiting for me and I thought he'd say, way to go, kid. And what he said was, don't do that again. What do you mean? Well, that's the bread guy's job. Well, I didn't want to tell the silly guy, that the bread's going to sit on the floor till the bread guy gets there the next day. If somebody doesn't pick it up
1: or run it over.
0: Well, and, and, and he said, and your dad taught me if I'm working produce and I'm not that busy, but they're backed up at the front room or they're backed up at the meat department, I go help them. Then they'll come and help me. Huge culture difference.
1: Huge culture difference. Yeah. 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 I see things on the next door app all the time. Complaints about the grocery stores and growing up, you know, under, with you, I I know, I know it's a really hard business, but I also know that if you have the right people, you're going to get a well-oiled machine is going to last longer and it's just going to be better.
0: And There there are all kinds of cost benefits long-term. If people stay long-term, then you don't have to pay to keep training more people. Right. Okay. Because training is an investment. So you better do that right.
1: Right. Yeah. So CB and I always talk about trying to look on the bright side and, you know, the glass is half full. So I love your slide about handling complaints and making lemonade out of lemons or turning potential assassins into raving fans and advocates. So um, talk about this. I know that one of the things that people would say to me that they loved about O'Malley was... Oh, I went to California and I tried this cracker and nobody carries it. So I put a little thing in the suggestion box at O'Malley's and they called me the next week. They got it in for me. Yep. And that's just not something that you can really do at a bigger chain. Or today you could probably just order it on Amazon, but then put right. it. Right. And so um, I'm sure you also got some complaints in the box too. You handled a lot.
0: Oh yeah, well, my dad put me in charge of handling complaints when I came full time. I don't know how you did that.
1: I do not know how
0: you did that. <laughs> uh, well, once again, part of it's teamwork.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I don't know. Do you have the handling complaints slide on there?
1: I can pull it up.
0: Well, it's it's not that big a deal to have the slide up there. But he emphasized to me that uh, he said, I, "I taught high school English for six years and and junior high school English. In fact, let me tell you one story about my teaching." And I got this from my dad. So I was teaching seventh and eighth grade English, and uh, I had the kids sitting in alphabetical order. I-, I was right out of college, and I had this one kid who was not a not a great student, but he didn't give me any trouble at all in class. But across the hall in the math class, he was raising holy Cain and driving the math teacher crazy. This was about a month into the into the school year of my first year of teaching. And I finally asked him why he was so, you know, easy to deal with in my class. And he was raising Cain with the guy across the way. And he goes, you knew my name on the second day. He didn't know it till I started raising Cain, <gasps> but he didn't use the word Cain. Sure. But you know what I mean? I do. And so that my dad had taught me, I, I went home the first night I taught and I would say tall redheaded kid, or, you know, um, short girl with, with, uh, with, uh, with glasses. And I would, I, I, by the third day, I knew all 97 kids names. My dad had taught me to do that with his stores. Okay. Now handling complaints. He told me at first, you're going to hate the job because you know, a complaint is seemingly a negative, but he said, like you, you know, like the slide says, you can make lemonade out of lemons. You can make a customer like you better after he, he or she has complained, if you handle it right. Not only that, they'll tell other people, my God, I this is back in 1975 now. I wrote O'Malley as a complaint letter. Danny O'Malley called me in two days. And he had the meat director on the line the next day and everything was solved. People talk about that.
1: Absolutely. Right? And when When we get a complaint, it's not easy for us because we don't get that many. But generally, just the two of us, we can come up with, all right, well, how do we want them to feel about this? Whether it was their mistake or not, because the customer is always right, as we've learned. And I I can't think of a time when we haven't handled a complaint that it hasn't come back with at least a, thank you so much for your attention to this matter or whatever. And how good, what a relief that is.
0: But but remember too, that 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 customer, is going to tell other people how well you handle a complaint or how poorly you handle the complaint.
1: Well, OK, right? let's let's go through these.
0: <laughs> you want to pick. Well, I'll pick my favorite one, which these, was. These
1: are my grandpa, Joe O Handling Complaints.
0: Uh, my dad made me write. He says, I'm going to teach you how to do it. Write these steps down. So I wrote these steps down in June of 75. Awesome. And he said, you're going to practice this. He said, when I think you're good enough at it, you're going to teach the store managers this okay. and you're going to tell them one of your jobs is to try to keep the complaint from getting to me. Okay. But you're also going to tell the store manager, look, if you need help with a complaint, call me and you won't get in trouble for it. Right. My dad was always really big on finding somebody doing something right. So when later on, when I would take my clipboard into the store and I'd go, oh, the restroom's not up to snuff or something on the, you know, on the report, I would also say, boy, the produce looked great. Or I would uh, find somebody doing something right. Then they'll accept the criticism. I'll never forget. I think it's point number five. Yeah. Return all calls unbelievably fast. Most calls back then were telephone calls, Mm -hmm. most complaints. Sometimes you would get a snail mail letter. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'd run into a customer in the store who'd have a complaint, but most calls, most complaints were customer and were, were phone calls. Well, at any rate, he, he said to me, uh, I'm going to give you a quiz. He goes, uh, you've been out to some stores and you come back and you've got three messages. One is from your wife. It does not say one of the girls fell off a slide and broke her arm. The other is one, one of your Xavier basketball buddies about going to a game. The third is from a lady you never heard of. Which call are you returning first? And I said, that's a rhetorical question, <laughs> right? He said she could have a complaint. She could have a compliment she might be asking for a donation. Call her first, okay? So in my last year, uh, some people in Indianapolis might know this, but in 2001, we sold our stores to a, a big regional chain called Marsh. And um, after a, a couple of years with Marsh, they put me in charge of handling complaints for the Marsh stores as well as the O'Malley stores because they loved how I was handling the complaints. And uh, they made a big announcement, a press release. If you've got a complaint at a Marsh store or an an O'Malley store, you call Danny O'Malley at this number. First call I got was from a guy who said, I'm with Warehouser Paper, and I've left three messages for the paper buyer at Marsh, and he won't return my calls. All I want to do is bid on the business. Uh, by the way, my wife shops at the O'Malia store at 126th and Gray Road, and we have three kids, and we buy all our groceries there. And I said, "Well, I'll go talk to the paper bag guy, and I'll get back to him. Very sorry, you'll get a call back." I checked his uh, veracity with the computer and found out that indeed his wife was spending all of her grocery money for three kids at that store. And I took that little piece of paper and I put it in my pocket. And I went up to see the paper bag buyer, who was a nice guy Mm -hmm. and said, look, this guy complained to me that he's left three messages. And he said, I don't have time to call every Tom, Dick and Harry that wants to talk to me. And I said, well, let's think about that a little bit. Um, You know, I'm in this position now. And so I've got to ask you. To, to call this guy back. And he said, I just don't think I should have to do that. And I said, well, here's what his wife spends with this company. And I $350 a week. His eyes were as big as silver dollars. I said, you don't know who you're not calling back.
1: And he not said, everybody's gonna tell you, oh, you know, and it, and it doesn't matter either way. But for him to know, you never know what that person's going through or they spend money at our store. It doesn't matter.
0: Here's Here's the big point. Marsh supermarkets didn't get to where they were with 70 Marsh stores, 37 low-bill stores, the biggest caterer in Indiana, the biggest florist in Indiana, by not returning people's calls. But at some point, right. as they got bigger and the culture got more difficult to, you know, control, they lost it.
1: Sure. That, and that can, I can see where that might happen. Or you feel like, well, I don't need to call that person back. We're big enough. You know, we don't need... But, but to stay alive.
0: And and all he had to do was call him back and say, and I told him this, call him back. He said, oh, he said, we've got a contract with the XYZ company for the next two years. I said, call him back and tell Just him that. Just tell him, right. And tell him to call you in a year and a half and you'll put his bid in the hopper. He might not get the business, but then he'll be happy. It's that simple, but but they'd lost it. Right. See? You
1: got to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah or people are gonna to start to get antsy. And, and I don't blame them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You say the customer's always right. One, of them, I, I, I don't have this in my slide presentation, but there's a very famous store out in very ritzy areas of the East Coast called Stew Leonard's. And they've got a boulder in their parking lot and chiseled into the boulder is there are two rules at Stew Leonard's. Rule number one, the customer's always right. Rule number two, when the customer's wrong, Reread rule number one.
1: Right, you have to swallow your pride. I mean, it's yep. just good business. Yep. Uh, and that's that's not to say like if my son is wrong, but there's a way that you handle it. There's just a, a, a way that you can build that culture within the walls of your home. Um, exactly. Are there any other of these that you'd like to share?
0: Oh, golly. Um, well, you know, it's amazing. My dad, you know, first of all, it's a well-known uh, statistic around the business world that for every compliment a, a business gets, they'll get like nine complaints or something like that. Okay. My dad said, uh, our goal is to get two compliments to one complaint. And once I started logging all the compliments and complaints, we got more like three or four compliments to one complaint. And we were actually asking people to complain to us in our ads. I'd say, if you've got a problem at O'Malley's call, Danny O'Malley at this number. And people would call up with compliments. Uh, so we ended up with a three, three or four to one when, the, when it's usually nine to one against.
1: Wow. That's yeah. wow.
0: And boy, the employees were proud as punch of that.
1: Well, of course. Yeah. And that's what makes you different and better. And the quality of... Just the conversations with people improve so much when...
0: You know, here's a, here's a quick sidebar, which you'll really relate to. As you know, Christmas Eve was my dad's 100th birthday. So I put a little tribute to him out on you know Facebook. And uh, the number of responses we got were overwhelming. And over 25 former O'Malley employees chimed in and said, best days of my life and stuff like that. Wow, made me feel good.
1: Well, of course it did. My <laughs> my dad often runs into former Omalia employees, and then they'll follow up with him and send an email. And I always have the privilege of seeing them. My dad it he wants us my my sister and myself to to understand the importance of building good relationships because down the road, you know, you might need a favor, you might need a friend, you might you know need somebody somewhere, and if you treat people right along the way you're way more likely to have success. So so that was kind of leading back into the turning lemonade from lemons. Um, but okay, so I love all of those. The, there, there's
0: an Abraham Lincoln quote there, uh, best way to treat an enemy is turn him into a friend.
1: Yeah, I right? love that one too. Well, I love all the quotes in the slides. Um, I, I also, one of your last ones, and this is kind of where we're going with this whole episode, but Everyone can be great because everyone can serve.
0: That's a quote from Martin Luther King. And uh, that, you know, one of the challenges in retail and the grocery business is, you know, what's the lowliest job there is? Maybe sacking groceries, maybe cashiering, okay? Those people need to know how important they are. You share your compliments with them. You post them on the bulletin board. You let them know, job well done, right? Uh, Everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Um, I I love to tell this story. And sometimes I end my programs with this story, but I've got three or four different great stories. So John F. Kennedy, when he was president, is visiting NASA headquarters in Houston.
1: Oh, I love this story.
0: It is. uh, So he's president from 1961 to 1963 when he was assassinated and he's touring it. And of course they had computers as big as this kitchen, probably in 1961, but here's secret service. And here's, here's, you know, press that are, that are accompanying the president. And he's going to this astrophysicist and he goes here and there and he looks across the room and he sees a guy sweeping the floor and he he sees another voter. <laughs> uh, and he says, I want to go talk to that guy. And the guy's got a NASA golf shirt and khakis on and He sees the president of the United States coming and he stands at attention and president shakes hands with him and says, uh, you know, what, what is your job here? And the guy said, Mr. President, my job is to help put a man on the moon. This is 1961 and 1963. And by golly, in 1969, we put a man on the moon. And it was partly because the guy sweeping the floor realized that was his job.
1: Right. I just can't stop thinking about the culture that Ted Lasso builds for Richmond in the show. And now if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you really need to, but the, you know, it doesn't matter. Ted Lasso cares so much about this guy, Nate, who no one's never, ever, ever asked his name before. And like makes him feel important. He's like
0: the student manager kind He's of the guy, The kit right? man, which, yeah, yeah.
1: but like when you make people feel like they are a part, Of something greater, no matter what their job is, that's when people are going to start to realize their potential.
0: Well, you know what? Here's a real life one for you. And you know this story very well. One of the most famous O'Malley employees of all was a guy named Kenny Newell. And he was a sack boy at at the 126th and Gray store. He had some kind of a brain injury as a kid, but he knew the birthday of every kid that came in the store, let's say 12 and under. He would always have a stick of gum or a lollipop or something for him. And, and the customers loved Kenny. Well, Kenny knew that Colleen was getting married and Colleen and Rita would go into the store and he'd ask about the wedding plans. And he'd ask me about the wedding plans. And I didn't really know much about the wedding plans. <laughs> At any rate, uh, the week or so before the wedding, Rita says, my God, Danny, Colleen got a check for $50 from Kenny Newell. I go, wow. I mean, we invited store managers to the wedding, but, but we couldn't invite all the sack boys. Uh, if I had one sack boy to invite, it might've been Kenny. At any rate, after the wedding, Colleen married, as some of you might know, a guy from St. Louis. And we had all the people from St. Louis come in and we put goodie bags of Hoosier made products.
1: I have one in my pantry. Yeah,
0: like red gold tomatoes and stuff that's made in Hoosierland in their hotel rooms. For all the people from St. Louis, we had a couple left over. He said, why don't you take one of these bags up to Kenny? Kenny cried when I gave him the bag.
1: Uh, That's (laughs) culture. Yeah. And that's... I love Kenny.
0: Yeah. Kenny had
1: a niece and nephew, maybe several nieces and nephews. And he would be so excited to take, like with his change, he would let them pick something out of the vending machine. Do you remember that?
0: Well, Kenny... Kenny would never pass a Coke machine without reaching in and seeing if there's that, any change yeah, there. Yeah. And in a year, of course, and he, and he took some of his money that he made working for us too. Within a year, he had enough money to, to buy his nieces and nephews, um, you know, their birthday presents. Yeah,
1: that's what it was. Yeah, love yeah. like Kenny, such a great guy. I wonder if we could get permission from Kenny to share one of the photos that was published of him anyway.
0: Well, I'm sure you could just go up to a Broccoli Bills. He he works there. He does. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay. Well, maybe I'll go in there and ask him. Yep. Yep. Um, So your last slide, and this might not apply as much anymore because Uber has kind of knocked cabs down, but if, if you can, if you're listening, if you can just imagine a time when Uber didn't exist.
0: Well, it would apply for a Uber driver too, though.
1: Well, sure. Right. Yeah, that's true.
0: So this is from the book, Raving Fans. Uh, And it's a story about a cab driver who's sitting in the uh, cab line at the airport somewhere. Let's pretend it's Indianapolis, but could be anywhere. I
1: think he was in New York City.
0: Could be. I don't know. Uh, At any rate, that's a long wait sitting there doing nothing. And he asked himself, what can I do to enhance my business? And he decided I had one idea. I'm going to clean my cab cleaner than any cab's ever been cleaned before. But that's the only idea he has at first. This guy is his own culture, okay? Mm -hmm. He owns the cab, just like a Uber driver would today. He said, after about a month, three or four people said, this is the cleanest cab I've ever been in. Do you have a card? He goes, I should get some business cards made. So he goes out and gets some business cards made, but he also goes, I'm on to something. So he uh, tells the client that gets in the car at the airport, hey, um, some people like to know if the Pacers are playing or the symphony's playing, or is that shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's what it's cracked up to be? Some people want me to shut up. So you got a choice. We can either talk or I'll shut up. People seem to appreciate that. More and more people are asking for his card. He then puts a the daily newspaper, a, a, a Sports Illustrated, a Time magazine, where people can read them if they want that. Mm-hmm. Then... A little time is passing. He sets his radio to the 18 different stations. He says, or you can listen to any kind of music or news or sports talk you want, giving them all these choices. The final straw was, the coup de grace was, he buys a styrofoam cooler, fills it with bottled water and offers a bottled of water. And he says, I don't sit at cab stands anymore. I book appointments. Right. That's a one man culture. Improving his culture, improving his service, and he do not have to sit at cab stands anymore. <laughs> Which is
1: probably every, you know, I mean, that's everybody's dream. You, you want to set yourself apart. And really, the secret to doing that is, you know, how do you want to make people feel? And, and then start to kind of build on that. And I think that's such a great lesson just to live by.
0: It goes back to people don't know, care how much you know until they know how much you care
1: which is something that my grandpa always used to say and something that I always loved. You have so many examples here of, of amazing, amazing quotes and, and just relationships that have been built over the years. And I love this quote by Mary Kay Ash and you kind of mentioned something like this. And I thought to myself, did, you know, the quote before you sort of felt, you know, like, the secret of my business. This is the quote. The secret of my business was hiring nice people and then allowing them to be as nice as they can be.
0: I put that quote in there because it sounded so much like my dad, I couldn't believe it. Again, hire the right people, train them, and then give them the freedom to make decisions um, and let them be as nice as they can be.
1: Executive and they, decisions. they will,
0: yeah, they will, uh, they will, they will, run through a brick wall for you. And that's that's what uh, that's what my dad that's the kind of culture my dad built.
1: And it was an amazing culture. I I always loved my time. I I didn't like having to park really far away on cold days because but that
0: was part of the culture. I
1: know it was. And, and I know and that's that That's
0: where Joel parked too. Right. Yep. I mean,
1: when you get to the heart of things, when you get to know what makes people happy, what makes people tick, what what makes things run it's not easy to do.
0: That's why it doesn't get done very often. You because know, yeah,
1: people don't want to put the hard work in. But
0: it's 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 very very hard, and the bigger you get, the harder it gets, and the more the temptation is. We're so big, we can forget the
1: the little guy, the, the,
0: the, the yeah, the, the, the less
1: important things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and we can rush people in behind that cash register. We have to. We don't have time. No, that. You don't have time not to do that. Right. Do that. Do it right before you put that person out there with your employees and your other, your customers and your other employees too. Right. They're counting on that new person.
1: When, when it was just O'Malias, you visited every O'Malias store once a week.
0: At least. At
1: least once a week. And that was something that people couldn't believe. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of presidents of companies with multiple, you know, locations, stores, sites, whatever who, who show their face and, and are there to not just, you know, make sure that everything is running smoothly, but talk to the customers and,
0: and the employees and the
1: employees make, you know, you're, you're going there and they're going there. So, okay. I just feel like if we all kind of tried to do some of these things, even just at home.
0: Well, again, it, it really does start at home with your family. If, if you're, if you're not building a great culture at home, then you won't build a great culture in your business.
1: No matter what your business is. Exactly. And it's kind of like if you feel like, oh, I'm not in the position. I think anybody can start to make a place better. It's not really the place. It's the people.
0: It's the people. So, it's, it's always the people.
1: Yeah. You, you. There's no such really thing as hating a, a place. It's Maybe it's the wrong mix of people or maybe it's just one bad egg or whatever. But there's always a way to redeem places. With the right people.
0: Well, that's right. If you if you have a business now that's up and running, and you'd like to improve your culture, you can do it.
1: Absolutely, that's but, what but people hire takes, you to do.
0: Well, that's that's part of it, but it takes effort to do it, right. and it costs money to do it. Okay, right. uh, it it helps if you can start like Joe Amaya started with Danny Barton and Patty Horrigan and that that core group of people that he took from the from the other store. That helps.
1: Solid foundation. Helps, but just in, if let's say it's shaky to begin with, doesn't mean you can't
0: you, you, you knock can it up, down. And... You can upgrade it uh, with a, with a lot of effort. <laughs> I'd be glad to help. <laughs> right, <laughs> but uh, you can, but but it takes a lot of effort.
1: It takes a lot, and, of- you know,
0: and people get the obviously in, in these days of COVID too. That makes it difficult. You know, it's 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 hard to get enough business and then it's hard to get enough employees and then it's hard to get enough product.
1: Hard to motivate people who have to wear a mask at work or whose hours have it's, been cut back so then when they're there, they're bitter or...
0: Yes, all, all of that, all of that. So it's uh, why
1: I feel like hearing this kind of stuff kind of empowers me personally and I hope other people too, but...
0: I've heard so many small business owners, mostly restaurant owners, but but other businesses too, interviewed on television and and, and Talk about their concern for their employees mm-hmm. getting enough hours
1: right.
0: to 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 uh, to feed their families,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and and it's a that's that's difficult. That is and God bless difficult. all of those people out there.
1: <sighs> Absolutely. Well, I was really excited to have you on here because I know that you know not everybody owns a business. Not everybody's going to go out and you know start building a business today. But within even just yourself. You can build the kind of culture and the kind of life that you want to if you're willing to put the work in. Because the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that's and the somehow- more truth you tell. <laughs> and the more truth you tell, which, oh gosh, CB and I are both married to really good, hardworking, honest men, which is helpful. But everybody deserves to, to be told the truth, even if sometimes the truth hurts. But when aligned with how, how it, the truth is presented. And if it's going to help inspire you, there's always a way to make lemonade from lemons.
0: There you go. There you go. There you go.
1: Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show, Dad.
0: Well, you're welcome. And Happy New Year and God bless everybody. Yes,
1: and I will, um, I'll put, you know, how you can reach out to my dad and where you can follow along. He does a radio show here in Indy called Indy's Trusted Servant. So if you're interested in learning more, he interviews all kinds of people who he admire, whom, whom he admires.
0: Yes. Whom he admires. Whom Very he good. Ad- Colleen, Thank you I'm an old English teacher. She, uh-huh. She's always, she's always, you know, worried about that. I am always worried about
1: <laughs> that. Um, but, and so obviously people who you could benefit from hearing from as well. If, If I say, if you admire them, then I likely admire them too.
0: I'm going to interview you soon.
1: I know, I can't wait. Okay, cool. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in and CB and I will be back next week with something ultra inspiring and five-star worthy, no doubt. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Bye, everybody.